Hey there, and welcome to the One Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at one of our services. If you'd like to know more about life at One Church, visit us online at weareone.church or check us out on social media. And uh, my name's Eddie, so uh, I'm part of the leadership team of this location, One Church Gloucester. I also have the privilege of being the uh, operations lead across the network of One Churches. And um, thank you. Uh, it's good to know that we're doing all right. And, uh, but yeah, so um, but in, in our series, we're doing our next series, which is called Overflow. And, and it's just such a beautiful privilege and honor to be asked to speak into this because the whole theme of this is like freedom to say, what is it that's in you that is coming out of you? Uh, and uh, so, so for me, uh, something which I've been uh, just chewing over for a while and we're going to have a look at this morning is an overcoming life. Secrets to an overcoming life. Uh, and what we're going to do is we're going to learn from Jericho's dirty little secret. It's not EastEnders. So, but, but just as a little bit of kind of like a way in. Um, some time ago, back in the day when we used to be able to travel and all that kind of stuff, and like none of us chose to wear masks or anything like that at all. So, so some time ago, a couple of years ago, had the opportunity to spend a couple of hours with Simon. So again, Simon is the, the senior leader of the network of One Church. And of course, like, although I work in, with the team, you don't generally get like several hours where it's just one-on-one with him. So, so I jumped at the opportunity. Basically, it just meant I needed to drive to Heathrow to pick him up from, from the airport and to drive him back home and I thought oh that's great I've got literally a couple of hours I mean if I go via I know Bournemouth it'll be loads of hours and I can just say oh yeah I took a wrong turn but but anyway so, so in my mind I was thinking oh this is what I'm gonna do and at the time wasn't an issue I'd built up some time in loose so I could do it that way and uh, the drive isn't an issue I'm one of those people that quite enjoys driving even to London like the A40 or the M4 I don't mind quite happy with either and uh, but there was a dirty little secret that, that made me think, should I do this? And my dirty little secret was my car. So, so back then we had uh, an FRV, Honda FRV, a terrific little car, two rows of three. So when you've got a family of six, it's perfect. If you're happy having a four, three, two-year-old sat in the front seat, literally right next to you, with you, spitting all sorts of stuff all over the place when they're eating crisps or just talking, or even when you're trying to concentrate on a motorway, just the constantness. Um, I've dealt with that. The car died recently. But, um, but, but, but we had this car, and um, just to let you know how, how bad this car was, as in the engine was terrific, uh, it was just the interior was vile. Not, not because it had, like, walnut leather dash or anything. Um, not that I'm against that, if anybody has that. Um, <laughs> More just because, well, let's put it this way. Can you imagine going to like the grimmest uh, weather spoons ever? And you sit down at the table and like you have to peel the menu off the table. In fact, before you do that, you lift up your arm to peel the menu and it's like a waxing effect on, on your arm. Like my car was like that. Suddenly I'm going, oh man, I've got, I've got Simon coming into this. Uh, so much so, I, I took it to get valeted, and uh, it was actually cheaper to hire a BMW for the day. <laughs> so that's exactly what I did. 
So I go and pick up Simon with this, with this terrific BMW 1 Series, everything like my life looks terrific, but I haven't addressed this dirty little secret that's going on in my world. And, and so what we're going to do today is we're going to have a little look at Jericho's dirty little secret. And I'm sure you're ahead of me. If we're going to talk about Jericho, there's only one place to go to, and that is going to be the terrific interaction with Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus. And we're going to read that in Luke 18. So if you want to turn in your Bibles or turn on your app and get to Luke 18, we're going to read from verses 35 to 43. But before we do that, I am going to pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you because we know you are here already in this room and in our room, wherever we are. We know that because you've committed to be with us. You have promised that. And no feeling or circumstance will ever overrule your promise because you are faithful and you are true. And so we welcome you and we say thank you for being here. We pray now that as we open up your words, as we open up the scriptures, I pray that you might release your light and your truth ahead of us that we might, might, as we are reading the scripture, so sweet, we are, we are like playing tag with your word. We are wanting to take hold of it because we know when we take hold of your word, as the psalmist says, when we catch your love and we catch your truth and we catch your light, then we are in the presence of God. So Father, will you give us your spirit to give us a swiftness to catch your word this morning for us, that we might be in your presence. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. And amen. Thank you. Okay, so um, Luke 18, 35 to 43 uh, says this. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus as Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. So how does this passage help us with an overcoming life? So well, what we're going to do is we're going to slow it down a little bit. We're going to, going to revisit it. I'm going to uh, invite you into the world of my humor in parts. That may be a tragic tale that we come to at some point, and I'll regret it and never do it again. Um, but, but actually what we're going to do is, is look at some aspects of which this scripture is, is just like hidden under the surface. There are some things in scripture which are like a gold nugget on the surface that you trip over. It's so apparent, it's just, wow, that's amazing. But then there's other things which just a little bit of digging under the surface, and there's like a seam of gold, a seam of richness. And, and hopefully our journey this morning is that we're gonna just go a little bit under the surface of this passage. So to get with that, there's a couple of cultural contexts which would be helpful to set the scene on this. So, so Jericho is, is this terrific city, but it's a city with a bit of a chip on its shoulder. Uh, and the reason being is it's famous because it is the site of Israel's first victory in the promised land. So they're like, they're going to high five with reference that this is this great thing. 
But then an iconic leader, uh, uh, Joshua, this, this amazing leader, declares a curse over the city. I mean, like, let's, let's put that into our context. So it's, it's really helpful if we say, how would we feel about that? So, so let's take Gloucester. So if you're watching online, take the city where you are or wherever it is that you live. Uh, and for us, we're in Gloucester. So, so if we take Gloucester and we think about who would be an iconic leader over our nation. And uh, Winston Churchill would be the one I came to mind. So, so imagine this. This is Winston Churchill declaring, we shall fight them on the beaches. We shall fight them on the landing grounds. We shall fight them in the fields and in the streets. Except those people from Gloucester. They'll roll over like a little puppy. But the rest of us, we will fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. Man, we'd be gutted by that. We'd be forever trying to overcome that. And there's other things that take place. So um, Elisha turns up and does a great miracle in the city of Jericho. But, but even, even Jesus, when, when he's giving his famous parable of the Good Samaritan, talks about how the traveler went from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And John said this really well last week with reference to there's so much uh, symbolism in the way things are said that, that like you go up to meet with God. So, so to go down is the wrong way. So, so Jericho have got all of this hanging over them. And, and Jesus is approaching and it says here that the, the beggar's there but, but they've already got the crowd are, are, are celebrating his arrival. Uh, there's a, there's a, a terrific guy called um, Kenneth Bailey of whom writes a lot about the context that we find within these things, the cultural context that we find. And, and he makes reference to how when, when a, a dignitary was coming to a city or to a town, they, they would go out to meet them, maybe even 10 miles out to meet them because they'd be, they'd be building up about their city. Hey, you're coming to Jericho. All the dignitaries would be saying, this is what you're coming to do. So, so let's again put it in our context. So you've got all the dignitaries going to meet, maybe the queen who's coming to Gloucester. And, uh, and, and all the dignitaries are there and they're saying, okay, nobody mentioned Winston Churchill. Okay, that's, that's not a quote that we're going to use. Who can we talk about then? Well, let's talk about Sir Alistair Cook. He's a Gloucester lad and uh, he, he won us the ashes. Not only did he win us the ashes, he retained them in Australia. He's, he's somebody of whom we're going to cheer about and talk about. Great shout. Uh, Simon Pegg. He's a local lad. He writes some of the Star Trek films. And he's been in some of Star Wars. I mean, he's just amazing. Let's talk about him. Tom Carriage, the chef. Great lad. Yeah, he's busted. That's terrific. Even Chris Whitty. Sir Chris Whitty, the chief medical officer. That's who we're going to talk about. We're not talking about Winston. Okay. We need to put the BMW forward, not the FRV. Okay? We're putting our best foot forward. We're not putting the dirty Honda forward. They're on their way. And who's there? Blind Bartimaeus. This, this, this beggar. He's there on the side of the road. And again, so this is where my imagination and my humor kind of kicks in. Can you imagine all the dignitaries? They're taking all this. There's probably a meal set for Jesus in the city. So there's probably a big celebration that the fact that this rabbi is coming to their city, that they've made this huge effort. And then there's the, there's the grimy FRV on the side of the road. And, and so the dignitaries are going, okay, how do we, how do we cover this? How, how do we hide th- this thing? So, so suddenly you've got Bartimaeus. Not only are they trying to hide him, so they put the crowd in front of him. But suddenly Bartimaeus is shouting, Jesus, son of David! Jesus, son of David! And they're like going, shh, 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 shh. So I think about Monty Python 
in this moment. Can, can you imagine, like, the crowd's there, and somebody's shouting, and the dignitaries, and Jesus stops and says, oh, did I hear a beggar? And, and the dignitaries go, no, 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 no beggar's here. No, no beggar's here. And they're kind of, like, hiding him, saying, shh, 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 be quiet, be quiet. And, and, and Bartimaeus shouts, hey, Jesus, son of David. They go, no, no, no beggar's here. No, no beggar's here at all. And uh, because this man is undermining everything that they've put forward for Jesus. There's a really interesting little thing. Well, I find it interesting. I'm hoping you do too. Um, And that is uh, that names were so important in those days. And Bartimaeus is made up of two root words, Bar, son of. Timaeus, if he has Hebrew background and he's a good Hebrew boy, will mean uncleanness or perhaps even filth. So his name means son of filth. So they're bringing Jesus into this town, and the son of filth, their dirty little secret, is shouting out. And he's shouting out for the dignitary that they're trying to put their best foot forward. So there's the the context that we have in this little passage of which we're reading. So how how does Bartimaeus help us? How does he help you and me to live an overcoming life. And because the city is desperate to keep this dirty little secret hidden. And I find in my own life, I've got stuff I'm desperate to keep hidden. And yet actually, it's the bizarreness of that is Jesus knows it all anyway. Like as he's coming in to Jericho, he already knows Bartimaeus is there. He already knows. And no matter what it is that we're wrestling with, Jesus already knows about it. And you know what? He loves you. He loves you. Whatever it is you're trying to keep secret, whatever it is that is keeping a distance, he knows and he loves you. He knew it before the foundation of the earth and still pursued you through the cross. That's how much he loves you. So, so how can that how can, how can Bartimaeus help teach us? Now, now you, you would have noticed that in this reading, it doesn't actually name him as Bartimaeus. Mark, in the Gospel of Mark, he, he explores this passage, and, and he specifically names it as being Bartimaeus. But the first thing to notice, if you have a look, verse 35, as Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. He is positioned well. He is positioned well. He's in the right place at the right time. But he was probably in the right place long before it became the right time. How am I positioned? Am I positioned in the right place before it becomes the right time? Am I positioning myself to to go forward into all that God's got for me? Am I positioning myself so that I can call out to God, God, this is what I need. We have a couple of convictions that are the main strategies or, 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 or movements within the life of church, and they are to encounter God, to grow personally, and to go make a difference. How well are we positioned for encountering God? Have you come in, even in this room this morning, and your heart is more, I want to catch up with so-and-so, rather than encounter God? Are there things that we're still waiting to do before we actually 
maybe physically come in to the presence of God? How are we positioned to encounter God? How am I positioned to grow personally? Because there may be structures that the church does and will continue to put in place to help. But the decision to be positioned well is mine. And the position to grow personally is yours. How well are you positioned in that? Or even like to go make a difference. I, my, my wife and I have made a, made a decision that we are constantly going to be trying to, to stretch ourselves to go and make a difference. And, and sometimes we can compartmentalize our life so we think, oh, this is my church life, this is my spiritual life, but then this is my home life and the two will never meet. But you know, I, I need to go make a difference for my neighbors. Uh, and I need to be in the right place long before it's the right time to help them. I need to be honoring them and engaging with them in conversations and, and talking to them, sharing my life, so that when the right time comes, of which may be a bad time for them, I'm in the right place to be able to help them. And that's the challenge for us. Are we positioned well? Uh, as I said, I have the privilege of being the operations lead for the One Church Network. Just being honest, when I applied for that role, it wasn't the job description that had me drooling over my future. It was all about what a great opportunity to be positioned in that place that I'd get to learn from the likes of Simon, from the likes of Ali, from the likes of John and the others in the great team that we have. So there was a cost to that, to, to, to leave my old job, which I did really enjoy and had some really great friends, but there was a cost in me positioning myself well for what I believe God has got for me. So, so my question for this about positioning well is, are you positioned well? Are you deliberately positioning yourself to encounter God, to grow personally, and to go make a difference? So the first key that we learn from Bartimaeus is to be positioned well. The second is to empower godly friends. And now let's just have a little look at this first. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. Now, I love the thought that, that potentially the people that are telling Bartimaeus to be quiet are now the ones that almost have to eat a bit of humble pie because Jesus says, bring, bring him to me. The reality is that probably the dignitaries in their self-righteousness, the ultra-religious individuals, wouldn't want to defile themselves, so they're probably not the ones that have given him a helping hand to bring him to Jesus. So, so it's going to be other people in his crowd. It's going to be other people that maybe are sat with him that know him. It could be friends, it could be family. We don't know, the scripture doesn't necessarily say. But... Jesus is wanting to engage with him, but he needs people to bring him to Jesus. Uh, and who, who are we empowering to bring us to Jesus? I, I am so grateful to God for like terrific people who have been in my life that have challenged me and, and, and have provoked me to like, like pursuing God, that feel that they can come up to me and say, Ed, that was good, but there's better. Even this morning, I'm going to honour Sam Miles. Even this morning, Sam Miles picked up on something when he said, oh, that's good, but we can do better. And I'm so grateful to God that I've got people that, that will challenge me, not just about, about, about little things of, of which, say, this morning was about, but, but big things, heart issues. 
Like, like stuff where actually I, I, I'm getting it wrong or I'm, I'm, I'm receiving a bad spirit within me. I need to, I need to watch out. Perhaps I, I, I'm, I'm spluttering out because it, it's not gone quite so well at home. Maybe, maybe I got sent on a shopping run and, and I bought the wrong thing. I mean, who knew there was a difference between semi-skimmed milk and banana-flavoured milk? You know, and, and that kind of thing is, there's a little nod to Sean Locke, okay? And uh, so, so, but there's, um, there's, there's this thing sometimes which, which suddenly I can be talking to, to people afterwards and say, oh man, I got this wrong and I got that wrong. And I've had friends that can speak into my life say, Ed, that's creating a bit of a bad spirit in you. You need to address that. Again, we're, we're in Gloucester, in this terrific city of Gloucester. And if you get down to King's home and, and you watch a rugby match, there'll be times when you see from a line-out that the ball goes in and, and one of the players will be lifted, he'll jump up as high as he can to catch that ball and then he lands on the ground. Uh, and just for a moment, the opposition will get one or two hands on him. But then the, the other cherry and white teammates will come around him and suddenly you've got this maul that will take him forward. Because what he's done is he's taken hold of the ball and now he needs to get over the try line. And what he's got is he's got a group of teammates that are going to come around him and drive him forwards. Right? Who are the people that are going to drive you forward? Who have you got in your life that are going to ask the question and say, I can see this gift of God on your life. I can see it. Let's drive you forward in this. Let's see. Let's get you over the try line in that. Because there is a terrific victory to be had in that. And in the same way that Bartimaeus has these people that bring him forward into the presence of Jesus. And as a consequence, and we'll see in just a moment, he gets healing, which is phenomenal. But really, it, it took people to get him into Jesus' presence. And for us to, to be deliberate in our growth, for us to be deliberate in encountering God, for us to be deliberate in making a difference, it's about people challenging us to say, hey, where are you going with that? Where are you going with that? And they're going to be people that drive you forward. My question for you is who have you given permission to to drive you forward? Who can say some really blunt things to you in the goal to drive you forward? in the purpose that God has got for you. So the first one is be positioned well. Second is empower godly friends. And the third one is to celebrate well. And there's loads of others. I'd really encourage you to take some time to just chew over this passage. There really are loads within this little dinky little passage which will set you up for an overcoming life. Maybe it's about what is my declaration of faith. Maybe it's things like your tenacity to, to keep on shouting out, to keep on asking Jesus to come into your world. There's all those different things. But, but one I wanted to pick up on, because I really feel it's a prophetic statement for us, is to celebrate well. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. The reason why I feel this is heavy is because an amazing thing happens. And I'm not referring to the miracle. The amazing thing happens is this. Prior to him celebrating, the fixation has been on what the town can do for Jesus. Once the miracle comes and he's celebrating, then there's a shift that they also, the crowd also, praise God. Do you know there's a danger for the church of Jesus Christ that we can be so fixated on what we are doing for him, we're not hearing the needs six foot away. We need to hear the need that's six foot away. We need to celebrate Jesus because of what he is doing 
in and through people's lives. We need to be celebrating because we are seeing people set free from chains. We are seeing people brought to life, coming from death into life. We're seeing people suddenly like, like align their life with the purpose of God to come into line with what it is they were literally created to be doing. The, 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 Paul says in Ephesians, he says, like, like, we are God's workmanship created by Christ Jesus for good works that he has prepared beforehand for us to walk in them. Right, God has got good works for you. He has good works for you. No matter what your age, no matter what your background, no matter what people have said of you, he has good works for you, for you to walk in them. And we need to be people that are walking in the celebration of what God is doing, rather than the fixation on, look what we are doing. Paul, in his letter to the Romans, he says, like, like, don't get so fixated on circumcision, because then what it is, is you're focusing more on your wound for Jesus, rather than on what Jesus has done for you. And it's the same thing. It's the same thing in my heart. God, look what I've done for you. I've fasted, I'm tithing, I'm praying, I'm, I'm doing whatever it is, I'm giving up this time. Rather than, God, man, here's my life. Because, like, you're incredible. You are amazing. Look at what you've already done in my life. Again, John said about this last week really well. Um, one of the reasons why, like, corporate worship is so good is because we're aware of one another's celebrations. We're aware that, that the reason why that song or, or that breakthrough means so much to you because we know your story. And so it's really good to be with one another because we're hearing the, the story of your breakthrough, which might be the ticket that sets me on the story for my breakthrough. But sometimes, because it's a dirty little secret, we'll keep our victories quiet. But we need to celebrate. We need to celebrate where, where God has broken us out of debt because there's people still in debt that need to hear that story. We need to hear the stories about how God has set me free from various addictions or habits or whatever it is because there are other people that are still in the grips of those habits and your victory could be the thing that sparks them into their victory. So we need to be people that celebrate well. We need to be people who are saying, my victory is not hidden. My victory is not hidden because of what Jesus has done in and through me. So my question for this, what victories are hidden in your locker? I watched um, some, some time ago, and uh, it was with the premiership, and this guy scored the goal, and he did this outrageous celebration, which was just hilariously funny. And Jamie Redknapp was one of the commentators, and they just said to him, did you ever celebrate like that? And he just used these immortal words, that celebration is definitely not in my locker. And I just love this thought, that, you know, right, there are victories that sometimes we don't think we should talk about, but they're in your locker for a reason. You're making the choice to keep them there. The reason why they're there is to go public with that celebration. Because your celebration can be the thing that sets other people free. But just in closing, this is uh, how I want to, to bring this together. Jesus has called you to an overcoming life. He has called you to an overcoming life. And no matter what the dirty little secret might be that's trying to keep you quiet, right? it's not a secret to him. And he is wanting to change the whole trajectory of your life so that that giant, however big or small it is, is silenced. I said at the beginning about 
Bartimaeus and the meaning of his name. Now, now, actually, within scholarly circles, there is a little bit of a pushback with reference to his name meaning son of filth. Uh, and that's because if he is, and he does, if he is a good Jewish boy and he's got like uh, Hebrew heritage, then absolutely the Hebrew word Timaeus means son of filth or uncleanness. But there is a, a cultural shift that's taking place in the context of this story, and that is that the juggernaut of Rome has, has come across the nation. Uh, and just prior to that, the Greek empire has also come on in. Uh, within the Greco-Latin translation of that word, Timaeus, pretty much the same pronunciation, means this, son of honor. And I love this thought, that historically, even this morning, the name over me was son of filth. But the kingdom of God comes, and it's a new kingdom, which has a new name for you. It's still called Eddie, Dave, Andy, Michelle, whatever. But actually, your transition has moved from son of filth to son of honor. And a son of honor is someone who overcomes. A son of honor is somebody of whom I'm not letting that little secret keep me down. I'm not letting that little secret prevent me from encountering God, from growing personally, and from going to make a difference. We're going to pray to wrap this up. And uh, firstly, if you've never encountered Jesus in your life, or maybe you've been wrestling with him, but it's time to shift. It's time to shift from the kingdom that you find yourself under to a new kingdom. It's time to recognize, God, I see that you have been coming to me all my life. I see that I have positioned myself here and maybe by chance I find you in my presence. Jesus, I am, I am making myself known to you. Jesus, will you come into my world? Jesus, I give you my life. If that is you for the first time, and we're going to say a prayer, if, if everybody's eyes can be closed. And just so I'm aware who I might be praying with, in line with, or, or for, if you just want to raise your hand, that would just be really encouraging. That's fantastic. Thank you very much for that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Terrific. Terrific. Jesus, thank you that you are taking us from our old name of being a son of filth to a son of uncleanness into the new truth you've got for us where we are now sons of honor, where we are sons of the king, where we are children of God Almighty, where, where we have been brought out of darkness into your wonderful light. God, we thank you because you are doing great things. We thank you because you are at work in my life. So God, we thank you for the people that have responded even this morning and those in their homes. Father, we pray, oh God, that, that you will do amazing things, that you will journey them into this great celebration that they've got in you. Father, we thank you for all that you have planned for them. We thank you for the great plan and purpose you've got. I pray that they will become almost like poetry in motion as they step into the good works that you have got for them in Jesus' name. Hey, if that's you, if those people that responded in this room just want to say you have made just an amazing decision it's just not a one-off thing set yourself up to go well 
And then finally, I'm going to pray for those of whom actually I need to reposition myself well. Which I need to give people permission to, to, to drive me forwards. And, and finally, do you know what? I've been quiet about that because I've still been living in shame. There's this great little verse where God comes to Adam and Eve and uh, he just says to them, like, they, they've, they've sinned and they're hiding and they say, oh, we're naked, that's why we're hid. And he says, who said you're naked? Right, right, God comes to you and, and you've been hiding from the shame from, because not of the victory, but because of that you let the thing get into your life. But there are great victories to be celebrated and I'm praying there's going to be deliverance and breakthrough this morning. There's an old hymn that we used to sing a long time ago and there's a real revelation when, in this little line where it says, he breaks the power of cancelled sin. Do you know, if you're in God, that sin has been cancelled. If you're in Jesus, that sin has been cancelled. And it should not, it will not have any hold over you. So let's pray. If, again, if that's you, then please put your hand up so I know who I'm kind of like praying with. Everybody's eyes closed just to honour those that wish to respond in that way. That's, that's terrific. I'm seeing people around the room. So fabulous. God, we thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is truth, that it is life, that there is freedom in your word. And we pray, oh God, that we may be liberated into the full freedom of Jesus. Father, I pray that we will walk out of this place or or as we turn off our feed online, that we will walk out into a life of freedom in Jesus' wonderful name. Father, will you help us? Holy Spirit, will you bring to our mind people who will do us good, of whom will challenge us into the freedom that you've got for us. Father, will you show us the victories afresh? May we have that joy of our salvation, like birthed afresh within us, that our celebration might be the, uh, might be the springboard for other people's freedom. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this time together. We pray now a blessing. We thank you for your smile that is upon us. We thank you that you go with us and that you are for us. Pray now that as we go, we will go with our head held high, knowing that we are children of the King, knowing that we are overcomers in Christ. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen and amen. Thank you very much.